Ah, buenos dias, ¿cómo estás? Bienvenidos de Iglesia de Celebración. It was so fun, guys. Let me tell you, Mexico was incredible. I can't wait to have the team up here and share some of the things that we got to do this past week. But um, something I wanted to, to talk about this morning as, as we dive in, um, there's, there's a question that's often asked about missions. And some, some people ask, why do you go on missions? Why don't you do something here? And some people ask, well, you did that there, but, but now what? And there's even some people that would ask, are missions even important? And um, I, I honestly could preach a really long message on every one of those questions. Um, I love missions, and I love what we got to go do, and I love that we get to come back here and share this with all you today. But, um, but one question I really wanted to focus on with this is kind of the, the what now question. The, trip is, the, the team is back. The trip is over. What now? What, is, what does this mean for us as the, the team? That went? What does it mean for us as a church? What does it mean for the church in general? For, for the 15 of us who went to Mexico, raise your hand. You probably see them all wearing their shirts or come up here, but yeah. Can we just give a round of applause for this, this crew? This was so fun. For the 15 of us that went to Mexico, the, it was an incredible trip, but now we're back, and we'll, we'll have fun talking about it, but memories will start to fade, and so now it's kind of the, the what next. What, what happens now? And for everyone else here this morning, um, you, know, you, you didn't get to go on the trip for whatever reasons, but you, know, you weren't with us on the trip. Um, some of you followed us online and saw the posts we were posting, and, and I know you're here today, specifically some of you, to hear about the trip, but I think the question is the same for all of us today. What now? We're back. What does this mean for the rest of 2023, for the rest of next year even? This morning, I want to I challenge us all as we celebrate this trip to be more involved in God's mission than maybe we ever have in the past. Not just for those who went on the trip, but for those who are here hearing about it today. If I had to make a list of important questions or, or important purposes here on earth, I think I could make a really, really strong argument and presentation and case for evangelism. A really, really strong, like, this is very, very important, guys. And, and some would say, well, why? Why would that be so important? And I would say, well, because in the purposes of life, we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love people. That's what Jesus said. These are important. We got to do it. But I think important purposes in life, we're made to love each other. We're made to worship God. We're, we're, made, we're made to praise him continually. But evangelism, this has a short, life, this has a short span because once, once we pass from here, once we go on to heaven, our evangelism, it's It's over. You don't have to evangelize with everybody up in heaven. They're already there, right? So while we're here on earth, this is an important job because it's a very limited span. You know, if, if we're lucky, we get, we get 100 years. I'm going for 101, but hey, if we're lucky, we got 100 years, right, that we get to share our faith with non-believers. So what now? My answer is to tell people, if, if, you're, if you're asking that question, maybe, what do I do now? I would say the answer is the same for everyone on the trip and that didn't join us in Mexico Tell others about Christ in season and even out of season. That's our job. That's what we got to do. When Jesus came back from the dead, uh, Luke records this in Acts 1-3. He says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And the disciples had many questions. They, they met together. They asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted to know when he was going to overthrow the Romans and when they were going to seize power, right? But Jesus was essentially saying, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. You've got a job, and your job is right here. Tell people about me here. Be my witnesses. 
He said to him, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is the key. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, what Jesus is doing right here is he's commissioning the disciples. He's saying, it is your job to go out to the land that's close, the land that's far, and the land that's even further to tell people about me. This is your purpose. This is your job. This is, a mo- this is an important thing. And why did Jesus tell them this was so important? Because they had the same issue we, did, we do today. They had limited time. Just knew that their time here on earth is short, so it is a high priority because it's got a deadline to it. Unfortunately, sometimes as, as a church, we don't often see uh, witnessing or missions as priority. We can kind of look at them as an add-on to what we're doing, right? I, I go to church, I have my job, I volunteer here or there, but, but the evangelism and witnessing thing, this, this is kind of the bonus. If you have time, join this team. If you have time, make sure you spread the word, but we don't look at it as a priority. It's not often seen as a, this is a purpose, this is important, we have to be a part of it. And I want to remind us of a few things before I call the team up that we've all heard before, but I want to stress how important these are for our life as Christ followers. One is that we are all called to be witnesses to his kingdom. Every one of us here who has our identity in Christ, we're all called to be witnesses to his kingdom. Acts 1.8 says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Sumeria to the ends of the earth. And then Matthew 28, we see the great commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations right? So being witnesses of the church, this is not to have a nice building. It's not to, to have just wonderful music and fellowship. There's a purpose to it, right? We don't want to have just the best programs to entertain people. There's a mission that we have a part of, and it's not just to come and be entertained. It's to be witnesses to his kingdom. That is priority. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, the church exists for nothing else than drawing men to Christ to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, All the cathedrals, the clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself is a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Our job is to bring people into this relationship, to show them who Jesus is, and then we let God do a miraculous work in their hearts. Anything short of that, we're missing the point. We're all called to be his witnesses. And second, I believe we are all called to work globally. We're all called to work globally. Now hear me, this doesn't mean we are all called to leave the country and go somewhere else. But I believe we all have a hand and a part to play in the global mission of what Jesus does. Listen to what he says when he says, Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So he's telling the disciples there, and it was foreign to them. Remember, this is still in the time now where sharing Jesus with Gentiles is still, it's it's nerve-wracking, right? Those people, they're not, we don't believe those are the people God created them to be. We don't really want to go to another country. And Jesus is saying, it's your job to go out everywhere. So what, what is our Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Jesus expects us to witness people to our Jerusalem, which in, that, in this context would be our neighbors, our Puyallup, right? Go, go out and tell people about who I am in your Puyallup. Jesus expects us to, to witness to our Judea and Samaria. In other words, to, to, our, to our state, to the, to the country, to the USA, right? We're here. Let's tell people, let's tell the United States, let's tell Americans about who Jesus is, what he, what he can do for them, this life he offers, this, this joy he gives you, and then to the ends of the earth. So at the same time now, now he's talking about Mexico, Thailand, China, Liberia, Ukraine, all these places where we have active missionaries going. Jesus is saying it's our job to make sure he is spread around the globe. If we stay here in the United States, 
do we, um, we, we have some comfort here, right? We've got, uh, we've got people that speak the same language for the most part. Uh, we've got people that we can relate with because we're in the same county or city, you know, lots of community and family. You may run into some cultural differences, but it's, it's a little more comfortable. But let me tell you, when you step out of your comfort zone, when you go to a place where there is a language barrier, you're trying to communicate and they're trying to communicate, it can get hard, it can get tricky, it can get frustrating, but at the same time, when you see God move in those moments and you see people giving their life to Christ, it is so fun. I know that one of the funnest, one of the funnest things for me is when we got off the, the bus at VBS for the first day, you know, my, my daughter Avery was with us and she, she found a couple little girls that she kind of connected with. Avery doesn't speak a word of Spanish other than hola, right? That's pretty much it. These little girls that she was playing with, they didn't speak a word of English. Every day she would get off the bus, she'd find those kids, and they would be running off playing together. Language didn't matter. They experienced the love and connection through Jesus, and it was so beautiful to see. Now, we obviously can't be in all these places at one time, right? We can't be here in Puyallup and in another state and another country all at the same time. So how do we spread our witness, right? We can still be involved in so many ways on a missions trip, even if you're not actively physically in that missions trip. But before I issue that challenge to all of us, what we're going to do is we're going to watch a video about the trip. And then for the Mexico team, as soon as the video ends, I'm going to invite you guys to come up and grab a chair. And we're going to have some fun sharing with everybody some of the things that God did with us on this trip. So turn your attention to the screens and catch a, just a glimpse. This was really hard to put together a whole week in just a few minutes of what we did. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Love to have the Mexico team. Come join me. <clears throat> Not about you guys, but how many of you got emotional on a couple of parts of that video, right? I know for me, when uh, every year when I see the family walk in and see their house for the first time, that's just where all the, my, my, my um, eyes start to sweat, as we call it, right? <laughs> but um, it's, that was, uh, like I said, just a, a glimpse of six days in Mexico, and I'm so glad that um, it, this team... I, mean, I got to compliment this team so much. We had uh, we partnered with Creekside from California, and you probably, as you were looking at the pictures, you know, you see a lot of Creeksiders up there too. But one of the best compliments I think anyone can get when two churches from two different states come together, and some of them knew each other from last year, but half our team this was their first time and they didn't know them. One of the best compliments I can get is from people say, "I don't know who's from what church." That was so cool because it was just one big team down there serving God and serving the people, and it was so fun. So what I want to do now is I want to, I'm going to kind of just go through some questions and ask you guys to share. Um, I think we'll start with you, Charlie. What were your expectations coming into Mexico this year? Uh, so for me, um, I've been on a couple of these trips, so probably the better way to answer the question would be um, how were my expectations, uh, you know, what were my expectations I didn't have? Um, and there were two incidents that stand out to me. Um, uh, when we were ministering to the homeless, you saw some um, some passing out food and such. I was able to talk to a gentleman, and he asked for a Bible. Um, and so I went back and asked around if we had any Bibles to give out, and uh, we, we didn't have any. Um, but there was someone who had a Bible, um, and he he it was his personal Bible, and he, he was like, we don't have any, so I'm going to give him mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and that was, so it was really, really special. It was really... Um, it was surprising, and um, he came over, and, and we prayed over the gentleman, and uh, it was super, super moving. Um, and then the other thing probably that stands out for me um, is I, I kind of expect not to be surprised, um, but Pastor Dustin alluded to it a little bit, 
um, dedicating the house. It just never gets old. A every time is kind of like the very first. Um, it's, it's so special. Um, the Spirit of God was so heavy on, you know, on that place when we're, we're praying over the house. And um, it's just one of those things that whether you've been once, been a hundred times, um, being able to, to really be the, the hands and feet of God, um, it just doesn't ever get old. Mm -hmm. And Tyler, what else would you add to that? Expectations for the trip? Uh, well, I haven't been before, and so this was my first time. Um, and personally, my expectations were we're just building a house for a family who needs it, but my expectations were exceeded so much. Uh, I mean, truly, God was doing a lot there, and I don't really know how else to explain it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, now, we had uh, what we called in Mexico aha moments, like when something like the light bulb went off or something really stood out to you and God spoke to you or for, for very different reasons. But um, Thorn, I know you said you wanted to share. What was one of your biggest aha moments here in Mexico? One of the aha Make sure you hold the mic real oh, close. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to deaf the crowd. But, uh, one of my aha moments uh, during the Mexico missions trip was like how much God moved in everything and every part of it. Andrew, you had an aha moment too you wanted to share. Yeah, uh, so I've been, this is my seventh time I think going and it was my first time going with my son Joshua, which was really cool. Um, and so, you know, the first time I went, I had some pretty powerful personal experiences and the more I've gone, the more my perspective when I'm there has been a little bit to facilitate the experiences of those I've been with. Um, and this time was unique. I ran into so many people that I've known throughout my life on this trip, like people who work at the base, which you'd expect that because we're going back to the same base, Puente de Amistad, but a woman named Amalia, who if you've ever been to Puente de Amistad when Amalia's worked there, she's been there for over 20 years. She's the cook, she's the house cleaner. She loves every person who walks through that door and she remembers their name like decades later. It's incredible. Um, but then when we were at the feeding kitchen, I ran into this guy who was translating for me and there was just something, like I just could tell there was something unique about him and, and we started talking afterward and we shook hands and I asked him what his name was and he said Skylar and I cocked my head and I said, what's your last name? And he said Sanford and I was like, oh my gosh, I knew you when you were like four in Iowa over 20 years ago. And then when we were in San Diego, after the trip, we were walking through this little touristy place, I think Seaport Village maybe is what it was called, and I was walking down a pathway, and I looked at this guy coming the other way, and we just kind of stared, and he pointed at me, and he said, Farmer? And I said, Nathan? And we worked at the same, the college I attended, we both worked there together afterward. It was crazy how many random people I ran into on this trip. So I'm still actually processing what God's saying about that. Um, but two things. I just think it's beautiful in the kingdom of God how many connections there are, how things align and how they come together, relationships as well as just purpose and mission and our lives. So that's the first thing I've taken away from that so far. Um, and the second thing is the threads in our lives. There are promises that God's given to us. There's things he started doing. And at times we start doing something else and it's almost like, did that promise just go away or is it just sitting on the shelf? But in God's kingdom, none of his promises 
ever leave our lives. Nothing is ever wasted. And there are seasons where those things are kind of sitting and waiting, and then other seasons where those things come back together. So this trip was a really good reminder for me of that truth. And Joshua, how about you? So this is my first time here uh, on the trip. And and, um, while we were building the house, I got to do things that um, almost no one my age would be able to do. And I just felt so very, very blessed that I was able to help change this family's life. Awesome. Love it. Now, um, we also talked about, and for everyone experiences this trip in different ways. God hits people in different areas, and I, I love hearing the, the different answers people give to this question. Um, Jamie, why don't you share with us, uh, where did God show up for you on this trip? I could probably talk a half hour on where God showed up for me. And I think the thing that surprised me most is it wasn't in like big, bam, kinds of ways. It was like woven through the whole trip. Like people I would talk with, conversations that I had with people, um, just connection points that I had never encountered before with certain people, getting to know people better. Um, even God showing up to me in, in the way that I tend to be an organized, I want to know all the details, I want to uh, take control, I want to follow rules. I broke a lot of rules down there. <laughs> um, and I didn't have to know all the details. I didn't have to like control everything. And I just really let go and God got it all done through me and through all of us. And um, so for me, I feel like God just all week long reminded me of his presence, his power, his connections, his relationships, the value of people, um, the value of even the work that was being done, and that it just truly was all for his glory. So that's how God showed up for me. Daisy, you wanted to share this one too. Uh, so there was a moment where on like the first few days, everyone's like, oh my God, you should go to VBS, you know, like try it out. You're like, there was face painting and nail painting and all this stuff that you could do. And I was like, Daisy, you're artistic. You could do all of this. And I was just like, kind of not sure because I was afraid I was going to like mess something up or like make some of the kids mad or something. I don't know. And... Then eventually, as we go further into the trip, I just feel something in me telling me, hey, go to VBS. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. Who really cares on what the kids think? They're just happy that someone is there to have fun with them and who will do all this stuff with them. And so I was just being told that. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to enjoy it. Right. And Thorne, I think you wanted to share something on this one, too. I'm glad you did face painting, Daisy. What was the cat called? Silly cat. Silly cat made an appearance on many faces. God showed up uh, at the trip for me. Uh, when I was building the house, I felt his presence for every nail. And even when after the house was built, I could still feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, Delaney, uh, what would you say you learned about yourself on this trip? Um, On this trip, I learned that I really have a lot of purpose, and I'm able to step out of my comfort zone, as I saw all of these people doing. Um, 
it's really easy to feel insignificant in a crowd like this. Like, there was so many people. But as I just, like, viewed and viewed inside myself and saw where God was, it was really, like, everyone had something to do and everyone was serving in their own unique way. Um, and there was a morning where we were doing devotionals, reading the passage about how each part of the body has its own different function so really just focusing on that and also focusing on it's not about what you can do it's about what God can do through you so just letting him take over and stepping outside of your comfort zone I feel like that's really where you're going to find him um which was it was just amazing awesome and say Odin uh, I would say for me um just God is calling me to like step out of my comfort zone and do things that are more spontaneous. Because usually I like to be very planned out and stuff. Okay, like today I'm gonna do this. But um, sometimes I feel this desire, like maybe I should, you know, like talk to that person or pray for them. And God really used that uh, during this trip and has opened my eyes to be like, I should be more spontaneous and just put myself out there and stuff. Awesome. Um, how would you say that you have changed because of this trip, Maddie? Um, I would say that I have changed over this trip in, um, just my, like, willingness and wanting to get closer to God. So I've been kind of feeling lately like I've been in, like, a spiritual slump, as I've heard it called. I've been feeling kind of deflated, and, like, I want that close, close relationship with God, but I've just been feeling kind of, like, just not with him all the time and then we go down to Mexico and I was like okay I've I've this is my second year going and when we got down there I was like okay I'm really excited I'm excited to see like old friends and see the base and just experience everything again and it was and it was such a great time but I realized that um you know God is still working through me even through my spiritual slump <laughs> and he um, he allowed me to do a lot of different things that I didn't do last year. One particular time was when we were feeding the homeless. Last year, it was just, it was my biggest, like, shock in the face. Like, I was, I was so stunned by, like, what those conditions were and about everything that we saw there. But when we went down this time, I was able to, like, just say hi to people, even something as small as that, or, like, give them food and do what I could to help. And... That, for me, just it opened my eyes, and it made me so much more excited about God. And even though, like, I feel like it takes a bit of time and keep to keep working through it, I'm going to keep working through it, even though, like, sometimes I don't feel always as encouraged. But this trip really is um, putting it on my heart to work on um, continuing to just get back at it, get excited about God, get excited about God in front of other people, and to even despite like maybe not feeling as energized to do it all the time, remember that God can still do amazing things despite whatever situation you're in. Great. That's awesome. Thorne, you wanted to share this one too. Thorne wanted to answer all the questions. You can see. <laughs> How have you changed, Thorne? I feel like I've changed, like, as in, like, comfort zone-wise, because, like, I used to have a small comfort zone, but when you go to Mexico, your comfort change, oh, your comfort zone just 
You don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, now for some, some really fun stuff, too. Uh, Tyler, what was your funnest moment in Mexico? And in addition to, to the building and playing, we have a lot of fun. We laugh really hard while we're down there. Well, personally, I learned a game called Mao yes. at the base, and um, that's an experience. If you've never played the card game Mao, the only way to learn how to play is to play the game, and you get a lot of penalties. It's, it's a really, really fun game. And I won. Yeah, you did. All right, uh, Daisy, what was one of your, um, I'm sorry, um, Maddie, what was one of your funnest moments? Um, probably my funnest moment was when we all went down to the beach. So our last day on um, Thursday after we're done feeding the homeless, we all recuperate. We go back and we go down to Rosarito and we go shop at the market. And this year, um, just, our, um, just our church team went down to the beach. And it was so much fun. We just had such a good time, like, either relaxing or playing in the water and eating churros. And just, it was so much fun. And I just, like, I, looking back on it, I'm just so grateful for so much of the fun times that I got to have with this team. All right, and Jamie, your funnest moment. Everyone's laughing because I know they all know what this one was. I'm going to say two. First one real quick. Thursday was my birthday. I got to celebrate my birthday in Mexico, and we did go to the beach, and I love the beach. So that was a really fun day. But the funnest moment is at his expense. So be, be prepared. He likes to uh, prank people while we're down there. We go on ice cream shop every single night, which was glorious. But he'd come up to you and he'd say, hey, that looks like some great ice cream. Could I try it? And I am such a like nice and sharing and giving person. I'm like, yeah, sure, try this. It's so great. And then he bites the bottom of your cone off. It's called, <laughs> called being coned. I've been doing this for 10 years, all right? Yeah. I've gotten many, many cones. And guess what? I've heard this story, and I still fell subject to it. So after he did, it was good fun, all good fun. I wasn't mad or anything. And I even said that night, oh, you'll probably get me again this week, didn't I? I did. Well, we concocted a little plan, me and I had a few accomplices. He hates mayonnaise, hates mayonnaise. So we got into a plan where we would decide to get an extra cone, fill it with mayonnaise in the bottom, put the ice cream on top, and see if he would try to get me again. Andrew was my partner in crime. So Judas. Was, so was... Judas over there. <laughs> so was Ashley, the three of us in on this. Oh, this is the first I've heard about that. <laughs> she got the extra cone. Well, we waited a couple days into the week, and Andrew planted some seeds of, like, who do you think you could get again? And he was like, Jamie. And he's like, yeah, I think you could. So... Thursday, Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, I don't know which night it was, Thursday night, okay, so his bus was late, I got the mayonnaise from our uh, cooler, and we like are scrambling to get it all together, and I squeeze it in there, and I'm using my fingers, and I'm flopping the ice cream over, and he comes walking up, and I hand Andrew the other cone, and I'm like, eat this, and I'm <laughs> holding this cone, and I'm just kind of licking it, and he comes walking up. He goes, oh, could I try a bite of that? I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, here, try. <laughs> what is that? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. 
We got him. Yeah! <laughs> yes, they got me. And I called Andrew Judas the rest of the week. <laughs> and then Andrew told me, if you want to try and get her back, I can help you too. So he plays all angles <laughs> in all of these. Um, hardest moments. There were some hard moments in Mexico. Um, Ashley, what was the hardest moment for you on this trip? Mine was eating mayonnaise. <laughs> um, so they've talked about feeding the homeless. Um, that to me sounds like a super easy thing because I love to serve and handing out food. We had fun putting it together and passing it out. But before um, we fed them, there was a team that went and invited people and so they start trickling in, and the missionaries there challenged all of us to not stand behind the tables together as a group, but to come out and go talk to them and really engage with the people. Um, and I've talked to homeless people before working in the hospital, but it's usually one of them in a bed, and they're at all of our mercies. And here it was a few of us and a lot of them, and you're going out into a crowd of people that might be unpredictable. You don't know where they're at, what they've done. There's a language barrier. Um, so just choosing to go initiate a conversation um, is a little bit scary and intimidating. So my head's telling me, I want to talk to my friends behind the table. But my heart is saying, just go open your mouth. Um, so I went. I tried to start Spanglish speaking. They immediately came in with a lot of really good English. So a lot of them have lived in America part of their lives. And so they knew pretty good English. I got to talk to at least three or four people, hear about their families, their jobs, um, what brought them to Tijuana. And so that was really special to me. And it's amazing how even though we, I didn't have with one of them like a come to Jesus moment, it was still just letting them be heard and having that one-on-one -on -one talk with someone really makes them feel seen. So I hope that that was a small blessing to them apart from the food and toiletries. And I, I skipped one. Avery wanted to share her funnest moment in Mexico. This was Avery's first time coming on this trip. My funnest time in Mexico was when I got to make two new friends. And you want to tell them about your favorite tacos? Cow tongue. Cow tongue taco, yes. Right, go ahead and pass the mic right behind you. Daisy wanted to answer this one, too. What was your hardest moment in Mexico? Uh, probably one of my hardest moments in Mexico was just, like, getting there and being with the other church. I just had a bit of anxiety, and it was like, I want to make a good first impression. I don't want to, like, give off, like, a bad energy or make them feel like they don't want to talk to me or something. Um, and so I was just really nervous. And, too, I don't really know these people either. And so I was, like nervous if we would even get along in the first place, if we had similar interests or if we didn't. And so I was just really like nervous at first. And then when the church came, um, I saw like everyone starting to talk to people and I was just like, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I'll maybe like try and talk to some people. And it was really fun and I got to make a couple new friends. So I really enjoyed it. And last question for a few of you. Um, start with you, Tyler. What would you say to someone who is on the fence about maybe going, maybe not? They're kind of going back and forth. What would you say to someone in that situation? Do it. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, you should do it. Um, it's a good. Ex it's a one of a kind experience. And um, if you're on the fence, that means God's trying to tell you you should do it. 
you should go and you should be in Mexico. And you meet a lot of new people there and it's truly is a one-of-kind experience. And Andrew, same question for you. What would you tell someone who's on the fence? Yeah, um, there's so many kingdom things that happen on a mission trip and I can't, I can't give you exactly a logical explanation for why that is. Um, we would all agree, like, demonic activity is real. You can't read the scriptures and not believe that demons exist, right? My first mission trip when I was, or probably my second, when I was, like, 17, first time I witnessed a literal demonic encounter cast out of a woman in a church, you could clearly, like, she had crazy strength and pushed all the men off of her, and she was set free. First time I experienced physical healing in my body. We all agree Jesus heals. You read the scripture. It's obvious he does it. My first... Second, again, mission trip, um, I had this like crazy intense allergic reaction right before a ministry time we were supposed to do. It was really intense and I was scratching all over and having a hard time breathing and I had to go up on stage and I just prayed and said, Jesus, I, like, I need you and it just went away. Um, this time we were at the feeding kitchen and there was a guy, his name's Chewy and he's 18 years old. Age barrier, I'm like twice his age. Culture barrier, language barrier. There's just something when you go out of the comfort zone, like everyone's talked about, and you remove all of the natural logical connection points, and you see the person in front of you, and you choose love and connection. Something happens in such a profound way that when you come back, you carry those kingdom seeds, and then you get to start kneading them into your daily life and working them into your daily life, and it's transformational. So I can't logically tell you why, but go, because God will do kingdom things inside of you. And last but not least, Stephanie, you said you wanted to answer this one too. What would you say to someone who's on the fence? As someone who for many years was on the fence. Yes, I have been on the fence for many, many years, and... Uh, to be honest, I really wasn't looking forward to going this year. It wasn't top things on of things I wanted to do with my year. Um, but Avery really wanted to go and I needed to make sure that my baby would be safe in a very, in lots of unsafe places that we were in. Go, just like these guys said, go. Your world will be changed forever. You see how people live, um, and you don't have any you don't have as many distractions as you do here, and so your eyes are opened in new ways that I don't think I would have seen if I just stayed in my comfortable spot. Um, and it is challenging, and you get stretched out of your comfort zone, but it is for the best. It is life changing. Have you guys? I'm going to have you guys stay up here. But can you give a hand to the the Mexico team? This, yeah. Um, fun story about Chewy playing soccer. So he was their soccer star on their team. I think they scored in a span of three days. In we, we played a lot of Team USA versus Team Mexico. I think over the span of three days, they beat us 45 to 5, if you were to combine everything. And Chewy probably scored 40 of those for his team. But um, I was over there playing with Chewy and said, I would try to speak to him in little Spanish that I knew. He would try to speak to me in little English we knew, and we would jab at each other and have fun with it. And every time he scored a goal, he'd run back to me and go, one more, one more, one more. And I would go, no more, no more. And we, at one point, I told him, I said, sit down. So we'd sit down, and when the ball would come, he'd be standing on my foot or holding my pants down as he got up to go get the ball. And we had so much fun together. And then I finally scored a goal. 
my one lone goal for life. I went up to him, I said, one more, and he, was, he said, lucky. <laughs> so, which I said, all I could say was, true, <laughs> very true. But for the 15 of us who went to Mexico, uh, I know I was challenged in a lot of ways in my life, and I want to issue kind of a challenge to us as a church. There are many ways that we can all be involved in a missions trip. And I want to give you just um, a handful of easy ways that we can all serve in this area. One is, is be a supporter. I do know that many of you in this church, and not just for me, from the whole team, thank you to everyone who bought stuff from the coffee bar that went to Mexico, who gave to people when the support letters came out. We could not have gone had it not been for you guys here, you guys online, and people that maybe aren't here today that gave to this trip. So thank you so much for being a supporter for this trip. Um, that's a way that you can be a part of the team. Not everybody has the ability to go, but you can always help someone get there and they can go. And by doing that, you are an extension of the team. So be a supporter on a missions trip. Be an encourager. Be someone throughout the year that, that, again, if you can't go, you can pray, you can send letters, you can send emails, you can be a part of the team, even if you're not physically. There is power in prayer. Pray for the team. Pray for people that are planning to go on the team. Support people that are down there. Um, you can volunteer. Volunteer to be on the team. To, to take, take the time that you have and let, let's go do the work. Let's be witnesses. Let's be hands. Let's be feet. Let's be down there physically and help people. Or maybe you can come and you can be an enlister, meaning you can be someone, even if you can't go. I, I know that sometimes things happen throughout the year where you were planning on going, but then something happened in schedule where you can't go. You can still be an incredible hype person for the team and recruit people to get there. So if that's you in any way, shape, or form, I believe Every one of us can fit one of those roles in some way to be a part of a missions trip. And I think the ways, that we, the ways that we serve, this is all part of our sphere of witness. How can we serve to help people come to know Christ? And it doesn't just happen here in Puyallup. How can we help people know Jesus in Puyallup? What are we doing to, to serve the evangelistic work in Washington? What are we doing to serve the evangelistic world to spread the word of God around the globe? All those ways are ways that we can all jump in and do it. Maybe you want to jump in and support regularly the, the work of a missionary. I know that as a church, there's a handful of missionaries we support. Tammy being here, I know she's shared here. She's a missionary in Ukraine. You can, you can support her monthly or financially. Travis and Heather or Justice and Michaela. Justice and Michaela came here and shared about Mexico, supporting them monthly, finding ways that if you can't go, you can still be a part of the people that are there full time making this their job. Be a supporter of the mission. And I know that when you support people, it's more than just money. They know that our prayers go with them and our resources, when, often when they go to another country, they go further than they could here and they're able to do incredible things. I think the, the bill for a house, and I know it's not a house with all the bells and whistles, but I think what, what Puente charges for one house, and Creekside helps with this portion of it's one reason we partnered with them, I believe it's $12,000 builds a house for a family. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely incredible. And over the course of a year, they're able to build dozens and dozens of houses for families. So money can get stretched further, and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in ways that we didn't think. And I also want to suggest, if you're not doing it already, a way to evangelize to people locally, join a team here at church. Join a team and serve here at church, whether it's the children's team, technology, the worship team, coffee bar, hospitality. There's so many things people can do, nursery, youth ministry. Every time you join a team and you're doing something, you are help spreading the love and joy of Jesus to everyone who walks in these doors. Loving on their kids, helping them with a cup of coffee, because I know there's some people that don't function without that cup of coffee. <laughs> but join a team and know that when you're, when you're working on the team, man, it's not just doing something for you. You're serving God. You're serving his people. Join a team here at church. 
and know that we are all equipped. You are equipped to do the work God has called you to do. Every one of us is equipped. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. We're not doing this alone. When you, when you serve God, when you're, when you're talking to other people about him, when you're sharing who he is and what he's done, you are never alone. The Spirit is moving through you. God says he is with you to the ends of the age. So know that you have everything you need to start right now to do what he's going to do forever. You have it all. The Holy Spirit led Philip to the Samaritans. The Holy Spirit led a reluctant Peter to the Gentile Roman Cornelius. The Holy Spirit led Paul and Barnabas into Asia Minor. The Holy Spirit is given freely to everyone who repents and follows Jesus. So know that he's with you, he will never leave you, and man, he, he gives us everything we need. Amen? I'd like to invite the worship team up. And um, what we're going to do is I'm going to stand up here with the team. We're just going to stand up as they, as they close out in worship. We're just going to clap and sing with them as a team up here and uh, invite you guys to stand up with us too. God is so good, and what a great time we get to have celebrating the great things he's doing here, the great things he's doing in Mexico, and the great things he's going to continue to do. Amen? Amen. Amen.